Hi guys, welcome to the Fret Success Guitar Show. I like to share some tips and tricks on guitar playing, go through some gear reviews and the new things that are coming out, talk about the industry in general, interviews with people in the industry, and just some general chit-chat. So here we go. Hi guys, and welcome to today's Fret Success Guitar Show. Later on, we've got Breaking Waves talking about this stuff. Uh, some guitar tips from uh, some of my lessons, uh, and then just some music to keep you guys entertained in between those sessions. So uh, let's go. So we're going to start the news with some sad news, unfortunately. Uh, Bernie Tormey, who actually did a brief stint with uh, Ozzy Osbourne, has uh, passed away at 66. He did some solo stuff and worked with uh, the main man out of Deep Purple. Um, but yeah, he was known for actually supporting uh, Ozzy when he went through some tough times after Randy Rhodes disappeared um, after that freak plane crash. So, um, yeah, anyway. So on to a bit of gear now. Uh, Mr. Porrid Smith has uh, just announced a limited run of some SE Tremonti standard guitars. Um, I'm a big Payras fan and I think the SEs are fantastic value for money. Um, so he's doing a special run um, of only 300 I believe um, and only available in Europe so for you guys over there it's one to watch out for looks pretty tasty actually so GNL have released a new guitar it's uh, the Fullerton Deluxe Skyhawk Double H um, it's quite a classic looking guitar but it looks quite neat it's got um, a couple of humbuckers on there uh, the rosewood fingerboard uh, and they've, they've done it in like a, a really cool looking grey and blue finish it's also got some neat features like there's a push-pull coil tap uh, and it really gives you a nice convincing single coil tone that kind of really makes this guitar really quite a versatile axe. So you should definitely check it out. It's about £1,500 they're retailing it at, but it looks pretty sweet. And following on from that, Joe Yu have announced some new classic multi-mode pedals. Um, the ones that they brought out are two little compact, really tiny pedals that combine wah and volume functions, which is quite cool because volume and wah pedals, they often take up a lot of space on your deck, so it's great to have these things. And they're not too pricey either, coming in at like $69, $79 um, for each of these pedals, so uh, yeah, that concludes the news. So it's music time now. Uh, we've got a bit of a kind of relaxed, chilled vibe here now with uh, a guy called Richard Moss from Northwest England. Uh, he's in a few bands, uh, but his main one is Drop the Floor. Um, this song is called Leaving Mount Vernon, and it came from uh, his solo album Back to the Yellow Hills, which is really, really worth a listen. And it was actually written for and dedicated to his wife, Chelsea. So have a listen. Thank you. 
That was just perfect. No voice, just the guitar. So it's time for a bit of a lesson now. I've taken this one from one of my YouTube videos, which was basically helping you beef up some of those original rock riffs that you may be writing. You know, you might know some D5, G5 chords, and you're just kind of struggling what to do to make them a bit more exciting. So this lesson will hopefully help you. See what you think. Let's beef up them riffs today. This is a technique I use in all my chord progressions when I'm playing in slightly heavier rock bands. And it's basically just hammering on and pulling off one note, and it really just gives an extra flavour to your rhythm. I'm going to play this in the key of D, but I'll just show you an example, and then I'll take you through the principle of it. Right, let's take you through that. So essentially we're playing the D5 shape. So we take our first finger and we put that on the fifth fret on the A string. We try and mute the top E string with our finger. So we get that sound. It's there, but it's not really contributing once you get playing. And then we're just gonna play our third finger on the seventh fret on the D string, and then we'll put our little finger, our fourth finger, on the G string on the seventh fret below that one. Making this shape. We want to be careful that we don't play all the strings. Not the end of the world, but it's not in this technique I'm showing. What we want to do is strike the A and the D string and lift up after those. So we just touch that D string. So we're not playing down, we're playing Cross and out. And all we're doing is taking off that third finger and putting it on in the technique. That's all it is. We're just taking away a finger and switching it back. So the only notes that are changing are this. So the note moving from the A to the G is basically making that maneuver too. If we play it with the whole chord, so do it slowly. It can be quite tough on your hands, this one, but you've just got to squeeze from your thumb and your fingers basically, between the neck and just squeeze and get that pressure on and just just take your finger off and on. It's quite hard to get that finger working independently. You can do practice by sitting on a flat surface on a desk or something and just practice lifting up that finger by itself. You don't even need a guitar. You can do that and it just gives you strength. If you do this in all your fingers, it just gives you that strength to independently move. This is the hardest one to move. I think there's a tendon connecting them all together. But, so if you lift that one, eventually the little finger will start to lift itself. That just gives you a technique. So just again slowly through all of the chords that I was playing in the demo. As you can see, I'm using downstrokes for all of the notes, and that's to just give it that feel where you're playing. Cheers! Time for some more music now. This guy will be joining us next week on the podcast, a guy called Will Proctor. I've been in a band with Will for a number of years, uh, weddings and solo, all sorts of things. Will's a great singer, and uh, yeah, just take a listen, see what you think.
So on today's uh, artist spotlight, we've got uh, Phil from Breaking Waves on the show. Uh, hi, Phil. How you doing? I'm doing great, mate. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Thanks for coming on the show and having a chat about uh, your kind of experiences through songwriting and what you've been up to. Do you want to kind of introduce yourself, where you're from, and what you've been doing over the past few years? What, what your background is? That'd be interesting to hear about. I'm from like the northwest of England, near Manchester, a little place called Preston. Over the last couple of years, I've been focusing on a two-piece rock band called Breaking Waves, 
which consists of a drummer that used to be in a band called Exit State that I used to play with. Yeah, we decided to carry on making music after that band disbanded in 2014. But we focused mainly as an originals band and put out our own music. So uh, you guys have been in a band together for about five years then? Well, Breaking Waves hasn't been going that long. Um, with Pete in, who's the drummer, um, we've been going about, say, about two years. I had a drummer in before that where I did like a very experimental album, which I call the sure. first Breaking Waves album. And I did that with him. So the band's been going about three years, really. But I played with Pete. For about five years before and we used to play like all over the country all over europe we even went to the states for one little brief amount of time so yeah it's we've we've been all over the place you know we've been very lucky you know to to do what we've done me and pete and we've decided to sort of carry on i mean having two albums under your belt in such a short time that's quite impressive for like a an unsigned kind of band so yeah oh yeah I'd, I'd encourage anybody to go and do the diy route these days you know you've got spotify you've got itunes you know you just get the right person to record your album and get the right songs together and you can go out there and do it you know just take some organization you know and things like that but uh, easy with two, two of you as well i guess that makes it easier yeah, yeah. both done it before as well kind of helps you know we we know how, how it works i mean we were signed when we were with the other band and yeah we kind of learned from some of the mistakes we made being in that you know as, as good as the times were but you've got to kind of move forward and try and uh, keep things fresh with your new project no exactly so what kind of influenced you to change your direction with kind of a different kind of music you were going for or was it kind of just... yeah it, it was a, i wanted to do something entirely different really I, um i wanted to go back more to some like my progressive roots like i've always liked a lot of progressive rock and um heavily influenced off funk and stuff because the first instrument I ever played was bass guitar so I wanted to do an album that was kind of a mix of like Primus and some of the other bands that I listened to at the time that were more poppy like Biffy Clyro and stuff and ended up with something that sounded nothing like it but it was, a, it was an entirely it was an experiment you know and that's why I classed the first album completely as an experiment but obviously I started taking it a bit more seriously after the first album again I thought you know what I've got something here I could work with. I've got something here I could push out there and try and get yep. more people on board. So um, once Adam left, he was the original drummer, and I got Pete in again. Uh, everything got a bit more mm -hmm. serious, really, and uh, and that's where we are now. You know, we've got another album and actually an EP as well. We did a, an EP in between as a stepping stone just to get a feel for the album more than anything. You know, I, I think it's good to not be afraid of like of trying things. You know, I think some people are a bit worried about taking that leap, but um, we thought, sod it, let's do an EP, see how it sounds, and then if we're liking the vibe, we'll, we'll do a new album and change the direction again, rein it in a little bit more, and aim for a more funky rock sort of vibe on the new record. I think you're right. I don't think bands nowadays need to define a certain identity or a sound. I think now people and fans are expecting to be on that journey with the band and be in those transitions and, and the more you kind of keep your fan base in the loop on that I think the better and it, and it really brings that personality out in your music as well because it's kind of you thinking well you know I kind of I don't just like one kind of music I, I think bands you know they sort of pull things from different bands and follow the music industry and, and kind of adapt and change as times move on you know yeah that's the people can follow you it's, it's the internet isn't it it's it's changed everything, you know, people get influences from everywhere now, you know, the, in the 70s and stuff, people were influenced off like, you know, punk music or other things like that, you know, yeah. the 80s had a lot of the more glam rock stuff or like a lot of the electronic music that were coming out and but now everything's all over the place, isn't it? So again, like you said, you can pick your influences from wherever and I think it's better to be that way in, in some respects, you know amalgamation of like sounds within within your own band as well you know i mean obviously some people only still like certain kinds of music but me myself i've always taken influences from everywhere really yeah it makes it makes it more interesting for you as an artist and a songwriter because you're not tied to that bracket and i always found when i was songwriting i always thought i had to put myself in these little brackets and each band would focus on certain kinds of material but you don't have to do that and you can be an artist and target whoever you really want to like you say the industry's just changed with the accessibility of the internet it's just made everything a completely different ballgame so I mean I'm interested to know a little bit more about your songwriting process and kind of you've done the traditional transition where you kind of played a bit more covers and, and other people's music and what was your kind of process when you moved away from that and do you kind of remember the first time you wrote a song and, and what kind of process you went through was it good bad or are you kind of embarrassed yeah. to talk about it I guess yeah uh, it's, it's funny really I mean 
I started learning other people's songs. As I say, I started on bass guitar, and I, would, I got in a band straight away. It's really odd. You know, like sometimes some of my peoples, they, they play for a few years before they join a band, but I always had this thing of wanting to be in a band, so I, I joined just a band at school. I was only 14 years old, and I was, I was playing my bass. And it was funny. I always wanted to write songs straight away. There was never really a, a transitional period as such. As soon as I had that bass... I was sat there playing stuff on it, really basic stuff. I was writing lyrics to it. Now, the only thing is, is I'd listen back to some of the stuff I'd recorded on, like a simple dictaphone, and I'd listen back to it, and I'd be like, frustrated, because I'd be like, that isn't what I'm imagining in my mind, because I hadn't... <laughs> you probably felt it, yeah. I hadn't developed the facility, you know, I hadn't developed my technique, I hadn't developed my, under my musical understanding, so I had, a, I had this frustration of like, how come I can't get it to sound like some of the artists that I really like? It's because I hadn't mm -hmm. learned enough yet to get to that point, you know? And I think every artist goes through that, you know, as a frustrating thing. Like, and I used to write a lot of poetry when I was a kid. I, I was a strange child, you know? <laughs> but I used to write loads of poetry. So it was that transition of me realising that, really, I was writing lyrics from quite a, a young age and then trying to get them lyrics to work over music. I found so frustrating at first, but... Over time, obviously, as I kept pushing myself um, on my instrument, I found that I was getting more satisfied with the things that I was I was coming up with. It's just time; it takes time, and you, you're right. You just need to persevere because it's just it's such a hard thing, and you just see it as being so effortless when you see your like idols and people that you look up to doing it and it's just like you always see the finished product you're always like wow it's dead easy you never see this back catalogue of people doing songs that are just terrible and going through that process yeah. even bands that are published they, they go through all these ideas and ideas and I think mm. there's a perception that it's just really easy but having been in a background when you're writing poetry I mean lyrics has always been my difficult bit I always always write the music first and then go right I've got to write the lyrics and then sometimes it'll go months without writing lyrics and trying to get better at just going right I need to just write something and then just tweak it uh, and try and work the other way around so being in that background where you're writing poetry it's such a good foundation to have to be able to write the, the lyrics there because that's what people relate to I think as musicians we sometimes forget that mm. we sort of think right write a riff let's write a chord progression let's get all this going but actually some of the best songs you know they sound great just with acoustic guitar and a singer because the lyrics and the message are so powerful exactly. so I think we just kind of remember that so if you've got that background that's that's just making it yeah, easier it, for you really it was yeah it's strange though because obviously that's got better as well you know being able to express yourself through words and stuff really you know yeah it, it was just it was just strange I just found it was like an outlet I had as a child like a creative outlet that I only realised afterwards if you see what I mean that you know it is just lyrics isn't it poetry is it's just another way of expressing yourself isn't it and exactly yeah I just sort of thought years later like I was doing that at quite a young age and it kind of made it a nice transition going into like writing songs and, and things like that but it's like you said there's a lot of stuff that like I listen back to it now and I'll cringe but it was that early stage it was that big them building blocks and I'm glad I, I did all them songs them early songs that I did because every artist goes through it you know you don't just all of a sudden write, write shine on your crazy diamond do you you know you, you go through writing loads of crap songs don't you before you get there you know and experimenting I think that's what people yeah. need to realise when, when they start writing music they, they shouldn't be too critical of your early stuff but then, in a weird sort of way, you've got to be more critical the further down the line you go. It's a weird process, I find. It's a contradiction, in a sense, you know, of how you do it, isn't it, you know? Yeah, I think, and eventually you start to get prompted by other things that happen in your life. Exactly. Your songwriting probably yeah. becomes better, and your lyrics become better, because you've got more stories to tell. When you're, like, 14, you've only really been talking to, you know, your mates and your mum and dad, or whatever, and you've kind of got limited personal perspectives exactly. to, to share with people. Do you think the stuff you're writing now is the stuff you're most proud of because of that development process you've been through absolutely it's a funny example really it's like I went back a couple of years ago and I've, I've always wrote lyrics as I say I've always wrote songs and then I used to look at some of the songs there and I'd say 10%, 15% of them songs that I'd, I'd wrote or lyrics would actually be something that I'd want to put on an album or something I'd actually want to sing live sure. whereas now I'd say it's like 60%, 75% of the stuff that I write will now make it straight away you you get better at refining and understanding what works for you as an artist i think really or or if you found a sound that you're really enjoying working with or a lyrical style then it just pours out of you, you yeah you get better at rejecting bad ideas even just in your head you're like well i'm not going to go that way because i know it didn't work last yeah. time so it just becomes an experience i think when you when you were starting to write 
you hit any kind of stumbling blocks and was anyone there to kind of support you and help you through it or were you kind of just fighting the battle on your own I guess did you form a band early on um, and they kind of helped you through or was a particular family member that kind of drove you or inspired you uh, yeah for, for me it was well with the band it were, we were just like oh, we were kids obviously so we were writing all sorts of things and some of it was was good you know at the time I suppose for what we were doing but it was just random a lot of it you know and, and there was a lot of external ideas from say other people that I was working with and that was good because we were kind of pushing each other because a massive encouragement for me was my dad realising that I wrote a lot of poetry and like yeah. as soon as I said to him can I learn an instrument he was literally like right yeah this weekend I'm getting you a guitar it's like he'd been waiting for me to he knew what I was like when I was younger and I think that was really good support and I really appreciate that more now especially as as a teacher myself and I see how some pupils are kind of how they're encouraged by their parents as well I can kind of see how that that really helps you know my dad was one of the first people to sort of well he put the bass guitar in my hands and said like you know go for it and and that's when I started obviously putting the two things together from that point I think it's tough because from from a parent's perspective I think sometimes you've got to kind of be careful Uh, I think your dad kind of played it right by just waiting for you to to do it on your own because sometimes you find that kids are kind of pressured in a way to do these things and learn the guitar I mean the guitar isn't an easy instrument for a kid so I've taught a couple of kids where they've not really been into it they're not really wanting it and you kind of have to wait for the kid to have that desire and that drive to do it and I think by your dad just waiting for you to decide by yourself and you may have been hoping may have not he just kind of was there to support you but it's such an important part of early development yeah, you just kind of yeah. have to let the kid decide on their own because otherwise you just they just don't practice they don't want to they don't can't go through the pain because they haven't got that drive it's yeah just... it's it's really funny it's odd i mean at first i thought oh, i'll start playing bass because a lot of my friends were playing guitar i wanted to be different and thought oh, it'll be yeah. it'll be easier <laughs> and then you know a lot of kids think that and it's like bass your hands are smaller big stretches and I was like no this isn't easier but but luckily I, I was listening to a lot of Led Zeppelin and like John Paul Jones and I was thinking like yeah. actually there's so much awesome technical work here and then I started pushing myself then at first I thought oh, it's going to be easier this but as soon as I sort of started playing it I thought you know what I'm going to push myself you know I want to be as good as my friends who are like playing guitar Cause some of them were like shredding guitar and they've been playing a few more years than me and I thought you know what I want to be able to do that on bass you know so luckily my attitude yeah. was right but like you said it was timing it was I think it was the fact that he waited for me to come round to it and like yeah some kids can be pushed too much it can spoil it for some children it's, it's a shame really I mean I see it as a teacher all the time in the past I've had people give up because they've been pushed too much by the parents to do it and it's a shame because some of them kids can, can be quite the gifted ones as well and you think oh I wish they'd stuck at it because they'd have been great but I mean the parents want to support them and and do what's right to help them later down the line. You also get the other side of it where you've got people that are like, you know, in their 40s, 50s, maybe even older, sort of people in like the 60s, where they regret not starting young age. And it's kind of, it's, it's really hard because then I think some of these people that haven't been able to pick up instruments then, so right, I'm going to get my kids to pick it up because I, I regretted it. So it's hard, it must, it's a hard balance, I think, to balance the two. But I think if your kid's going to play music, he's going to want to do it. You know, it's, it's just going to be in him. Like, it's all I think about a lot of the time. It's just, it's just what you do. It's, it's in you. you. You just have to. You're at a desk. You're working. You, you'll be tapping your fingers or, or whatever. It's just you're always it thinking about that's it. That's it. I've had this good discussion with friends recently. Some people who've just got, it's got music in them, you know. And as soon as they pick up yeah. an instrument, everything just clicks into place. I actually believe that as well. It's, it's like some kids are, you know, more sporty. Some people are better runners. Some people are just creative people. You know, it's it's always been the same. No matter what time period of the world you live in, there's always going to have been creative people. I think people now are probably luckier than they ever have been if they're creative because it's easy now to just go and buy a guitar, isn't it? You know, if rewind hundreds of years ago, there'll have still been them type of people around but didn't have the facility to sort of express themselves like um, lots of people do these days. No, exactly. It's so more accessible. Yeah. You can get tuition so much easier. You don't have to have expensive lessons and things like that. There's a lot of information just on YouTube and that, the web, yeah, and it's yeah. it's just make it makes it so much easier. Well, I mean, you're doing it yourself, aren't you? So you're helping people with with the guitar playing. So you know, it, online you can be teaching somebody halfway across the world with your videos and stuff. So great. It's, it's a big part of why I do it and and why I enjoy it is that you're just trying to help someone. I have a lot of students in India who kind of just subscribe to free material and communicate 
communicate with me through Instagram. But these guys don't have all the money in the world to have a lessons every week or they don't have the accessibility of tutors nearby. So they really latch onto these lessons and use you as a resource. And it's it's really rewarding to, to teach these people that have the desire to do these things but just don't have the resources in the local area. It's a great feeling to give back after so long of just concentrating on myself. And it's kind of like, I kind of need to just give back and have this kind of global resource. Yes, yes, yeah. And, and then starting this podcast is just to try and develop on that and bring people that are working hard at the craft and doing songwriting and people need to know more about these people that are in the kind of grassroots level that are developing working hard and it just helps them know that they can be that person and you don't have to just strive to get this record deal it's easy to just put your music out there and be brave exactly yeah yeah oh not everybody has to be out there you know go out there and play music for fun first and foremost you know that's that's what it's all about and you know once you've got you know into your your flow of writing songs just keep going out there and pushing it and just enjoy it things will start happening for you then you know sometimes if you're chasing the dream too much you can forget all the fun bit of like the process is the most fun bit I find that's why we went back and started playing music again me and Pete and I would never ever give it up you know never in a million years (laughs) I'm always going to be doing something no way will I ever give it up because I love it in terms of like putting original music out there again after being signed and going through all that type of stuff of the heartbreak of sometimes things not quite working out at first it was like that's why I wanted to do something experimental again I just wanted to like start afresh but now I'm back in the flow of it again I wouldn't have it any other way I'm back out there putting out music again you know at a professional level it's fantastic it's really inspiring Phil and the music that you create is really great it's so unique and it just has this professional vibe but also it's musically complex but not in a way that's overindulgent you know with styles like jazz can be a bit intense and off-putting to the listener it's not like that at all it kind of invites people in and has relatable stories so it's really great to, to listen to and hear where you've come from being in like exit state and then moving through to your own thing and actually stepping forward to be the front man i guess that was a big element of what you did as well mm-hmm. um did you find that transition hard or was that something that you felt i'm ready to do this i'm i'm naturally at that point now i was ready to do it again yeah I, it was funny because before i was in a band that was like a progressive rock band in Preston called Spiral Tower that's where Exit State came across me because they were gigging all over the country and uh, they just gave me the opportunity to join but I was singing lead vocals in them and I was also doing backing vocals in a band called House on Fire at the time as well and they actually saw me in House on Fire first and I don't think they realised I was in this other band singing lead vocals Uh, so I kind of missed it so I thought it's about time I went back out there um, singing again but tell you for any anybody or any anybody who's listening who wants to do that type of thing Get out there with an acoustic guitar as well and and do it that way. Just singing covers and stuff, just to get your voice back up there again. You know, get that stamina, that fitness of being able to sing for like over an hour. Obviously, maybe go and get some singing lessons as well so you don't blow your voice out. (laughs) (laughs) You can blow your voice out in 10 minutes if you don't know how to sing, but... My point is, get your voice back up there again by doing long gigs. It's hard to balance things like doing long rehearsal sessions. You can easily lose your voice. I did that in the early stages quite a lot. And then I was like, right, I need to get singing lessons and learn how to properly manage my voice and sing, you know, with your diaphragm and breathe properly. And that made such a difference. That that just brought me on leaps and bounds, even just with having two, three lessons with someone that knew what they were on about. People get a bit daunted by the whole lesson thing. I think, God, if I sign up to lessons, I'm going to be doing it for years and years. It's going to cost me loads of money. But actually, you can just go up to someone and just every now and then just go, right, can you just check what I'm doing? Give me a few pointers. Let me work on something. Because the thing with singing is, it, I know you can go back and routinely do lessons week by week, but I find that having like an ultimate goal and a method to get you there, it takes you a long time. You kind of have to have time by yourself to just persevere and work through these things and I think the method of just going out with an acoustic guitar doing open mic nights just putting yourself out there mm. building that stamina it's it's most important because then you just have more freedom to kind of know what you can do with your tool it's like learning a guitar you, you know you have to be able to train your hands and your muscles and mm. your memory to know where you're going and what you're doing and you have to do the same with your voice you can't just be like exactly yeah oh, let's just sing what are your biggest influences in terms of when you've been writing initially inspired by from maybe previous bands but then also like more modern bands do you have any kind of influences that you kind of look to shape your style as the way the industry's moving does that ever come into your mind yeah you definitely i'd say it's always 
been different for me. Whatever band I've been in, I've always had different influences at the time because uh, I've always tried to keep myself quite open-minded musically in terms of artists. There's certain artists I always go back to. There's certain ones that I'll, I'll always love, like Led Zeppelin, for example, and obviously well before my time of Led Zeppelin, but yeah, up on yeah. stuff like that. So they're sort of always at my beating heart of a lot of the things that I do. But certainly, yeah, I'd say moving forward, I, I always try to keep a bit of an ear to the ground in terms of how things are moving forward. In terms of, like, some modern pop stuff, though, there's still the odd good thing out there, but I feel that a lot of modern pop music, for me, unfortunately, has lost a lot of soul now. It's kind of very much become a product rather than an actual... I mean, you rewind to the 80s and stuff. Yeah, there was a lot of... A lot of people argue there was a lot of bad taste pop music around then, but there were still a lot of bands then, and they still wrote quite interesting songs, you know. So now, moving forward... I wouldn't say I'm as influenced as much off anything that's modern pop-wise. I listen to a lot of stuff now that modern sort of stuff, like jazz stuff, a band called Kneebody, who are kind of sort of a rocky jazz band, you know. I like stuff like that now, because they feel like they're pushing things forward. And there's a band called Snarky Puppy, who I've been listening to quite a bit. But I still have this, like, pop undertone of liking some 80s pop. So we're still very much in that remit. I'd still say we're sort of a pop-rock duo. Yeah. But we have sort of some more jazzy influences moving forward, because I don't feel pop music now is anything that I get any inspiration from. We are sounding funny because there are still good artists out there. You know, every now and again, somebody will come and surprise you. There was a song that somebody did a few years ago, a Gautier song. I didn't like the album, but I loved the song. You know, it really surprised me. It reminded me of like early The Police. So sometimes, you know, a random song might influence me as well. It might make me write a song a little bit differently or think, oh, I'd like to write something a bit like that. Great answer. I mean, the market has become saturated with, and we're talking charts here. Yes, charts. Yeah, oh yeah, they're still fantastic. Yeah, I want to get that clear to anybody who's listening that there's fantastic music out there. This day and age, we're spoiled for choice, really. You've just got to go and look for it. Don't necessarily just listen to what's in the charts and take that as what you want to be aiming towards. There's other fantastic artists who are touring all over the world. You know, the filling venue use and they're never on the radio you know they don't care no, it's it's so true I don't, I don't know it's hard to balance because people are just so busy nowadays or make themselves so busy and it just becomes easy to just consume what's convenient but just sitting down and going through spotify playlists and just going through recommended artists even they're just completely nothing to do with what you've just been listening to but i've just come across a few gems you know that i've not really given much time to over the past few years it just opens your world up just searching through unsigned bands you can just find some gems going to unsigned gigs events open mic nights and just talking to people and finding out more about your local industry and there's so much good stuff even in a local city to yeah. just go and explore yeah. and find have, out have you, know, you found it good in calgary have you found some bands that you're following there now yeah, and there's a good scene, a good undercurrent scene, because, I mean, from a perspective from outside, country music is massive. Yeah. So it's quite saturated with country, but there's a lot of underground bars where you still get the place filled out, and you've just got these rock bands that are just working hard. And there's quite a big rap scene, actually, quite an underground hip-hop, which is quite impressive as well. It's 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 not like what you would listen to on the charts. It's kind of a good amalgamation of older hip-hop rap type stuff with kind of a modern sound. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to get some of those guys on the show in the next few weeks so i think one of the good things about nowadays is that people are becoming open to collaboration a lot more Mm. um where you're seeing artists that aren't necessarily matched together in a traditional sense actually work together and do that sometimes it gets a bit stale and i think there's still like driving undercurrent with these kind of instagram relationships and through the web where people aren't necessarily in the same place you know i'm starting to collaborate with people that i wouldn't normally think of but you just start these conversations go well let's have a go and see if we can get something working then it's it's definitely something that people should consider and might actually give that spark into the music industry that we need i think definitely going and supporting local artists is is more important than going and paying you know like hundreds of pounds to go see someone that you know, it's just been spoon-fed to you through the radio. Um, and we just need to support those guys that are just as Exactly, good. keep them venues alive, keep them rocking, innit? And what, it's great what you say about that. I mean, it's funny you said about the hip-hop thing, is some of the early hip-hop stuff I love as a bass player. absolutely love it, you know? Uh, because, again, it had, it had uh, a lot of heart to it, you know? Um, some of them people from really depressed areas, you know, and they really came across with some strong lyrics, you know, a lot of passion in the music. Again, so I, I, find, I feel that some modern rap's been been really watered down and modern hip-hop's been really watered down it's, it's a lot of music's wrought like algorithmically as well now you i mean you'll know this as as a guitar player yourself and as a musician that 
a lot of songs are just wrote with the same four chords as well, you know, because they know it'll sell records. It's like a it's McDonald's cheeseburger, isn't it, really? It's like, this is how it's going to taste, you know, have it. You're right, they have a formula. They go through it and it's just worked over time and time. But I think eventually people will just get bored of it. Music goes through these transitions and, I'm, well, I'm kind of hoping for it. that <laughs> We just need yeah. to get this kind of mixing up of things I mean going back to the the poetry side of things like hip hop and rap just takes its inspiration from being a good poet basically and if you can carry a good story and I mean it's slightly harder than poetry sometimes because you've just got to make it work within a a rhythm and a beat and make that interesting as well some of the stuff I'm hearing is is great it's uh, really inspiring to hear people just telling their story I think it's a very story based profile which uh, is always going to be relatable for people so. well if I'm ever in Canada I'll, I'll be coming out with you to some of these bars anyway <laughs> we'll, go and, we'll go and watch some artists or whatever that's great for you though it's interesting because you're from the UK as well so if you work with an artist yeah. over there you've got such a different input in terms of how you were both brought up and you know your, how your influences will be different as well I mean obviously like you say the internet you might be listening to the same type of artist but your life very much mm-hmm. affects how you write and your experiences like we were mentioning before so again you, you're going to have different writing styles every musician has a different writing style to the next person providing you're not too like obsessed with trying to be like another artist I mean that's another good point I'd want to give anyone don't try and carbon yeah. copy any artist don't think oh I want to be like that artist I think it's a bad way to approach writing music because you're just going to sound like him you're just going to copy him and it's there's not going to be any soul. It's all about getting your soul across. And I think other artists as well, other musicians, can sniff that out. You know, you can smell it. You know when it's you know when somebody's writing something that's meaningless, you know, you can tell it, it just doesn't come across right to me. Even non-musicians, they pick up on that. They know that. They oh, yeah, know when someone's authentic. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's one thing I've definitely picked up on going back to the country scene is that country may not be everyone's taste, but the strong thing about country music is that it always has that consistent thing that country artists just always try and tell a story and songs in country music I mean there's the modern kind of pop country but the underground kind of country is always trying to keep them authentic and tell a story about like a trauma in their life or something positive in their life and country music's really always stayed true to that really so that's something interesting that I've observed living in Calgary is that you do get that kind of perspective by country music all the time puts it on its head for me because I, I generally concentrate on just getting the riff right just being a guitarist typically or getting the song lyric but just having that potent story behind it to just make it so relatable just gives you that edge and I think taking that from something as maybe simplified as country music just gives you that kind of wholesome feel which is often overlooked I think mm, yeah yeah. the story's there that's the beating heart of it isn't it and everything else can just sort of fit around it rather than like you say having a riff and then having to fit everything else around that yeah there's, there's different approaches though isn't there for whatever style you're doing as well you know some suits being that other way around as well don't they like if you're there's no rule with experience you build up and you just sort of think I've got all these different avenues and different ways I'll try writing a song this way and a song that way so it just comes back to just getting out there and trying 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 you've given quite a lot of tips in this but do you have a a top tip that you would maybe give a musician that's maybe starting out in guitar or otherwise you know anything i guess yeah uh well i think a lot of teachers or anybody who's ever taught an instrument uh, just say whatever the discipline be it vocals bass guitar drums keyboard just practice 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 and not only that you know keep going for it make sure that you're not only just practicing the stuff you're comfortable with keep pushing yourself at trying different styles things that are going to test you uh, technique wise things that are going to test you theory wise keep doing that yep. and I think the best piece of advice you could ever get not just for the practicing is never feel that you've got to be 100% before you go out and play otherwise you'll always be yep. sat in your bedroom doing it you know you've, you'll never be 100% the first time you go out there and play in front of people because it can be a nerve wracking experience you might be somebody who doesn't get a lot of nerves from it but you're going to make mistakes the first time you play and there's nothing wrong with that because you'll learn from them I suppose my point is yeah don't worry about it being 100% you know 90% is fine 80% is fine just get out there and do it because otherwise you're, you're just never going to learn you know that's how you'll learn more is by gigging and playing in front of people also as well it's like learning a language isn't it you know it'd be like being amazing at speaking a language but not actually going and speaking it to anybody do you know what I mean yeah that would be bizarre wouldn't it that's exactly what it is (laughs) I mean I get people uh, message me through Instagram and they kind of ask for advice and stuff and I'm like well how long have you been playing so I can establish what you've been doing and you know you get guys going I've been playing like seven eight years or whatever and you're like okay um, are you in any bands have you played in any bands like no I just play my bedroom and it's just like well that's probably why you're getting stuck 
fuck. It's part of the process. You, you need to put yourself out of your, outside your comfort zone, sitting in your bedroom. You know, if you have aspirations to be better than you are, I think it's just as important as learning your scales, your chords, all, all those sorts of things. Yeah. It's it's 50-50. I think you have to go out and get that experience. Playing the first time I went on stage, I you know i just couldn't do it i was like so nervous but then now you just walk out as if it's nothing exactly yeah. you have to go through that process of being scared <laughs> to just go through it i think you're right it's a great tip phil but you know just practicing and practicing practicing but then the, the putting yourself out there and just being conscious about doing it is, is just so important yeah of I course think. the way to sum it up is getting yourself ready to do it so you've got to practice mm-hmm. enough don't get caught up in thinking you've got to be perfect and that's that's the point really yeah. Yeah, you, you have guys that have mastered like scales and modes and all sorts of technical things and then they've never been outside the bedroom. No. And it's like, well, why are you learning? You're just learning this to be technically amazing, which is fine, but you must have that desire to go out and yeah. not, maybe not perform, but just be in that songwriting process where you're with other musicians. I mean, even that's something that people don't do is they just kind of sit and whittle away you know <laughs> it depends what context as well like I and mean, obviously I knew the question was more triggered for people who are wanting to be in bands or wanting to be performers but yeah. also now we've obviously as we know you could just start a YouTube channel and um, you, as well if you become a really accomplished player you can actually maybe create a, a channel doing that yourself you know recording your own music and Obviously, you'd never get out yeah. there and do anything, and you'd never play in any bars, or you'd never do that type of stuff. But I know mm. there are some artists that do mm. do that now. You know, who um, quite popular guitar yeah. players. That's their outlet. That is their yeah. outlet. That that can be a thing for you as well. So you don't necessarily have to go out there and do it. But I often find though these people that are the really good ones, the ones like I mean, there's a few I've watched. Is that like Jared Dines, isn't there, and Stevie T, and people like that yeah. who have seen them. Yeah, them yeah. guys have all been in mm-hmm. bands still, though, haven't they? They've all been. Of course, they have their own little group of mates that they all get exactly. together and they write songs. Yeah, and... they've not got that good at all from just playing in the bedroom. So my point is, somebody might no. say, "Well, you know, me and you, what we've said might not be right because there are people that do it." But I, them people, I think, have all done the band thing and still do a bit of yeah. the band thing. But they've focused now more on being, um, you know, internet celebrities, basically. You know, and it, it depends what route you want to go down. I just wanted to make that clear to people because obviously, you know, we're using the means of the internet internet now and it's a fantastic thing for that as well it just depends what road you want to go down that's a great point uh yeah i think just seeing that element of performance no matter where you do it is just part of your progression i think that's the the key thing we're trying to get across yeah of course yeah i mean that's the way we did it uh, but you know the world's changing yeah yeah (laughs) feel old saying stuff like that but it's uh (laughs) yeah i'm still part of this process and still doing those things myself so putting things on youtube and and you are as well of course yeah yeah. moving with the times is great so i guess from that what's for you the next year what what do you see yourself in terms of breaking waves or any other projects that might be coming along yeah um over this next year well we're still pushing the uh the the new album out there you know um Mm -hmm. we're doing a quite a few festivals um unfortunately pete's not going to be doing some of them festivals with me over the three months because he's having a bit of time off but I've got somebody okay. else coming in and look like I say luckily there's only two of us so again it makes it nice and easy um, he's learned yeah. a 45 minute set and that's fine we're going out playing some festivals just putting the CD around more you know yeah it's it's a matter of just getting the music out there and um, generating enough money and back into the pot so that we can do another album next year so you're writing towards that next album as well in the background yeah yeah we're doing that as well yeah so it's more of the same it's been great this year though it's uh, last year was a bit of a learning curve if i'm honest how things have kind of changed a bit as well and we we feel that certainly in the uk we find that less is more in terms of gigs these days which means get a gig in a good spot place where you know it's quite a well attended venue and then keep going back to that venue but making sure you stagger it and promote it enough and we've found that it's got Mm. nice and busy every time we've done that rather than just sort of playing venues here there and everywhere which is kind of what you've got to do in the first place to just get a feel for things but it's it's a surefire way to lose a lot of of money or you'd be investing a lot of your own money into it which you kind of have to do in the beginning you've got to kind of find these little pockets these venues that get the people in and then Mm. promote at them venues and get your band back in them venues i mean it's easier said than done like i say you've got to do a bit of uh scouting around before you, you come across them and we've been playing together for like a while now and done this for a while but once you find them little hot spots, go in there and keep playing them venues and you'll find that your crowd will grow naturally that way as well. 
you find that playing in venues and getting to know the venues more and they know you more you actually get more opportunities to play with some of the bigger bands that come into town yes yeah um so you can actually latch on and be thought of as a first band i mean we played some fantastic support slots just on the back of just being in with the promoter at that, that venue that's it that's the just, key promoter just, just yeah promoters and promotions always always a key thing like again using the internet keeping people accessed by like doing little videos here and there and letting people know where you are or or you know like two weeks time we're going to be here we might put a little video on and mention that you know just keeping friendly with your fans and and, and keeping people engaged i mean it, it is hard it is hard these days because there's been quite a lot of venues i'm not talking for obviously canada or the us but in the uk certainly there's been yeah. a lot of venues shut down so the less is more yeah. approach does work quite well because there's still people out there that want to come and watch live music and you know, we've not been doing as many gigs, but the gigs have been better attended for it. You know, we've we've been a bit more concentrated on on the right venue and the right crowd, really. You know, focusing the the people to that event and promoting it online and sending posters, still like physical posters, to the venue. So it's a bit of the old and the new, really, the old-fashioned way of doing things, and and obviously keeping with the times as well, because. Like we keep saying you've got to do that or you'll get left behind, won't you, really? You've got to keep rolling with the times. Yeah, I think it's kind of, a, at the moment, advertising-wise, it's a, it's definitely a mix of physical and digital media. And I think focusing on less venues is a great, great idea. You start to pick your favourites and just know what works. And then you get more opportunities from those. You know, you get people along that then spread the word and you can actually start to find out where your fans are based uh, online through, you know, the tracking and see where they are and start to plan where you can reach out and, and do those things and reach their friends through, you know, things like Facebook advertising, boosted posts and all yeah, these sorts of things. Exactly, that, yeah, yeah. That's really interesting, Phil, and it sounds like you've got it in your mind what you're doing and you're still on a promotional attack, but it's uh, you kind of have to do that, especially when you're doing an album. You've got all the songs to play with and you can get those out as singles and, and just follow that promotional train and just get yourself out there. Sticking at it so hard and uh, doing so well at it, it's... Uh, yeah, it's inspiring, Phil. It's good. It's, yeah, more, more videos as well, because they, they've always been good, you know. <laughs> the, the videos have always helped promote the singles, like you said, you know. There's there's so many ways to do it, which is great, and um, it's just like refining everything, isn't it? Making sure that everything's of a really high standard as well. I've got a couple of uh, slightly off-the-cuff questions, I guess. Not off-the-cuff, but yeah. off-the-track, yeah. if you like. Um, yeah, we've just been talking about I mean, uh, so, <laughs> you know... <laughs> interesting to, to have you on Phil because uh, you kind of give this insight uh, such a collective insight from all these years of playing that it's yeah it inspires people I think to, to just stick at it and you've given a few great tips that yeah people I think will take note of and, and carry through so I guess some of the more silly questions are if you could have been present at any moment in time do you know where you would be where you would pop up if you had the DeLorean from Back to the Future where would you go and sort of be for maybe a week or two that's such a good question you're going to think I'm crazy, but I'd, I'd have to go back to when there was no people around, if I'm honest. Dinosaurs, Cretaceous period, believe it or not. I would. Uh, I don't know, think I'd last a week, though, mate. I think it'd be incredibly dangerous. <laughs> That's interesting. So you're like a history science nerd type thing? Oh, it was, it's a funny one. It's just It just fascinates me how there was creatures around on this planet that would nothing like anything else that's been left behind you know really you know roaming these giant lizards I'd, I'd have loved to have seen it mate I'd, I'd have been in my car though I'd have had to stay in the car for like a week you know and hope nothing like tipped it over like in Jurassic Park you know or anything like that <laughs> keep the window up keep the doors yeah, locked yeah yeah it's a, it's a funny one for me really it's a I think if it was like in terms of our times or times of man I'd say probably as a musical thing again, it'd be Woodstock '69. Uh, just, just a great. I think it was just a great time for music. There's a lot of experimentation going on again then, and anything sort of went in terms of what was going in in the what was known as the charts then, weren't it? You know, all sorts of artists were getting yeah. in there, and Woodstock was that real amalgamation of when everything was sort of coming together musically. I just think it had been such an amazing, like, liberating time. Like, because sometimes people, it's like it's such a fashion thing, isn't it? All well, music always has been to a degree, but sometimes now people only listen to stuff because their friends are listening to it. But like then, it just felt like there was more, more of a, a liberal sort of approach to, to like, like somebody like Hendrix, for example. You know, like this really experimental sort yeah. of guitarist at the time. You know, he was like pretty much headlining the festival wasn't he you know and there was be people turning mm -hmm. up in the hordes yeah. I just think it was probably quite a magic time to be around then in terms of music oh, they're both 
pretty interesting examples, Phil, because, yeah, I think being back in Woodstock would be pretty fantastic. And not just that, just maybe the era, the period, just because I think it was so exciting. There was a change happening where we'd kind of been through, you know, the war and then the 50s kind of was starting to edge on guitar music and then when we hit the 60s that was really when it started to hit its own flow like late 60s mm. that was when we were starting to get to more maybe what music inspires us the most so it's uh yeah it's a it's a good pick really um what is your perfect pizza what would you put on oh perfect pizza well my my perfect pizza i've already i already had it like a few weeks ago in a place called manchester a place called crazy pedro's believe it or not they do um, I've been, I've been, have you been to crazy pedro's yeah yeah, it's fantastic. What did you have? Oh, it's, it's a 16-inch pizza. It happens to be one of my favourite foods, is pizza. I'm, I'm you know, <laughs> I'm supposed to be you? into my fitness, but pizza's my downfall, so it's such a funny question you asked me. No, the, the, one, the one I'd be rocking is, um, it's like, a, basically, the pizza that I really like is... It's a mix of, of loads of different things like on top of it. It's um it's got chicken on it, it's got pepperoni on it, it's got oh it's got all sorts of things on it. Just pizza as a general, mate. I just love pizza. <laughs> I get I'm getting hungry thinking about this. Yeah, cool. Yeah, no, Crazy Pedro's is a great little spot if you are in Manchester. It's uh it's cool, they've decorated it really interestingly and they do like quite weird toppings, don't they, as well. They've got like loads of crazy ideas um hence the name crazy Pedro's yeah i know I've, I've been trying to eat sort of less meat recently as well but the problem is is that there's pizzas like that out there that exist you know and it's <laughs> i'd probably be super fit if i didn't eat no, pizzas <laughs> oh cool well we're kind of getting to the end of the, the session phil and uh i wanted to thank you for coming on really and uh talking through your experience and uh kind of talking about your band and what you've done it's been really useful i think the listeners will really appreciate your wisdom and insight and the process you've been through so yeah that's that's great i think what's left to do really is uh, i want to play one of your tracks so there's nothing more fitting than you introducing your own track and then we'll uh, see the end of the show really i think so if you want to take that away i guess yeah well this one is big trouble this this song has slight sort of daft punk sort of influence believe it or not from uh, when me and pete wrote it together and uh, i hope you enjoy it thanks phil See you soon, my mate.
Thanks for tuning into the show today. I'll see you next time. If you enjoyed the podcast, it'd be great if you could just share it with people that you think might be interested. And if you have any suggestions for future topics, just send me an email at learn at fretsuccess.com. Cheers.